You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. Since 2017, age pension has gradually been increasing by six months every two years. So this means that from 1 July this year, age pension age is actually increasing from 66 to 66 and a half. Now, this increase in age pension age effectively means that no one's going to reach age pension age in the first six months of the 21-22 financial year. Now, preservation age is also increasing gradually from 55 to, to 60. And here to discuss the impacts of these changes is Kim Guess, one of my senior technical services managers in the First Tech team. Hey, Kim. Hi, Craig. How are you going? Not too bad. Yourself? Good, thank you. Now, ages, preservation age, pension age, what what are we talking about today? Well, we've had this for a while, haven't we? So since 2017, age pension age has gradually been increasing and it's increasing every two years by six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. it started off at age 65 back in 2017 and it's going to increase until it gets to 67 by 2023. Right. Now, at the moment, we just saw an increase um, from 66 to 66 and a half from the 1st of July 2021. So that's just happened. Um, And that Mm. means that all those clients who are born between the 1st of July 55 and the 31st of December 56, they're going to have to reach 66 and a half to qualify for age pension instead of 66. And this has has the strange effect that actually nobody is going to reach age pension age in the, in those six months period from 1 July 21 to 31 December 21. We're not actually going to get anyone who reaches age pension age um, until 1st of January next year. So we've actually got a six-month period uh, where no one's reaching age pension age. Well, that sounds a little bit odd. So what's happening? How, I mean, how does that work that no one's going to reach it? I know it seems weird, doesn't it? Well, if you think about a client who has a date of birth of 30th of June 1955, they reached age pension age when they're 66 and that was on the 30th of June 2021. But then a client who's just one day older, who was born on the 1st of July 1955, they have to be 66 and a half to reach age pension age and they won't reach that until the 1st of January 2022. So because of that, increase, um, nobody actually reaches age pension age for the next six months. Uh-huh. Right. So interesting. So I guess we have one more increase to take it up to 67 and then there's no more increases. So I remember a while ago, you know, when they first announced that the age pension age would increase to 67, there was some discussion that it would go to age 70, wasn't there? And there were, there were people saying, oh, you know, you've got to work to your drop under these proposals. So what happened with that? Did that actually get through? Are we getting further increases to age 70 or is it capping out at 67? 
No, that proved to be a very unpopular budget proposal. <laughs> and there was a lot of a lot of things written about it at the time and the government backed away from it. So as it stands at the moment, it's gonna stop at age sixty-seven. I remember actually what what was what's that ABC show? I think it's um Q&A, that's right. I remember watching Q&A when, when this was an issue and they had on a plumber <laughs> and he looked like a pretty old plumber and uh, and he was basically saying, mate, my body's given out. There's no possible way I can work till 70. You know, mm. I've got to be able to retire. And that, what he was arguing for is that certain people should be able to retire at age 65, so different different occupations. Yeah, had well, different pension ages. I know. I mean, it's sort of understandable, isn't it, when it's a physical yeah. job? Getting uh, expecting a seventy-year-old to um, to be a plumber is a bit of a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Okay. So great. So, what does this actually mean from a financial planning point of view? So, I, I mean, we've just talked about it a little bit. It's not going to seventy, but what does it mean from a from an advice perspective? Well, I guess as age pension age increases, it means there's a longer period of time where um, people have to support themselves with um, income that's not the age pension. And so it could also mean that there's a longer period of time between ceasing work and commencing age pension because not everybody works up until the day that they reach age pension age. Um, and in fact, if we have a look at the statistics, um, if you had a look at the average age of people who retired in the last five years, it was actually 62.7. So if they're retiring on average at 62.7, but age pension age is not until 66 and a half, that's like 3.8 years where, you know, they're not working and they're not getting the age pension. And so... so previous, mm, yeah. So previously like two years. Mm. But now an extra two on top of that, so four years. Yeah. So that 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 plumber, if he's retiring at sixty two point seven because he has to, because his body no longer works, mm. um, that's actually quite quite a significant issue, isn't it? Because now instead of trying to self fund two years, you're you're funding. A significant amount more. Yeah, and I mean, uh, that's only an average. There are a lot of people who, um, particularly if you don't just look at the last five years, if you look at the longer period of time, there's a lot of people who retire earlier than 62.7. Um, particularly women tend to retire earlier because they might have caring responsibilities or whatever. So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people who, who don't work up until age pension age. Yeah, so this is this dreaded gap. So I guess the main way it's it's funded for most people is just either via their personal savings or a retirement income stream such as coming out of a superannuation fund and account-based pension, something along those lines. Yeah, that's right. So um, we might see people having to, you know, take quite re large-sized account-based pension payments for a few years to fund their living expenses um, until they might be able to drop down when the age pension kicks in. Um, so interestingly, you know, at the moment we've got the reduced minimums, haven't we, the 50% minimums that the government um, extended to 2021-22 due to COVID. Um, but those, these people who are pre-age pension age um, are probably going to need to draw a lot more than those 50% minimums to fund their, their living expenses. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you think about it, this, is really quite a significant kind of issue because not only do we have people that potentially are forced to retire early because of age or health or family circumstances, something along those lines, um, we've also got those risks around sequencing risks, don't we? So early in retire really matters in terms of the order in which you get your returns because you're actually drawing an income stream, um, you may not have the period of time there available for 
for markets to recover because you're actually selling down. So this is also another issue here. We're not only looking at the fact that we're having to fund this more of a retirement income stream early in life, then I would imagine that the sequence of the returns there, what you don't want is having to fund your own retirement for an extra period and then getting really bad returns during those periods because you're really maximising the drawdown. So as you were saying before, I mean, these 50% minimums, but if I've got no account-based pension, um, sorry, I've got no age pension, um, then I'm probably not being able to use that 50% reduction. I've got to take the full amount of my minimum or even potentially more um, and so it really does put you in a in a potentially difficult position there. So saying all that, though, is there any silver lining here? Is there any good points about the age pension age increasing? Yeah, well, I guess one good point is if you have a couple and one member of the couple is younger than the other one and we do one of our favourite strategies, which is to have money in accumulation phase in that younger spouse's name because it's exempt from the income and asset test, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I guess we get a little bit more time where we can... Um, have that exemption apply to that money um, because age pension age now isn't until 66 and a half so that younger spouse you know will be able to have that exemption for a bit longer. Right okay and I suppose the pensioner pensioner concession card I can never say those words Um, (laughs) pension concession card I guess the age pension increase sorry the increase in the age pension age there uh, impacts that as well? I should? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, to get the pension and concession card, you have to be eligible for a pension and normally that's the age pension. So, um, you know, some we have to get mm. to age pension age to be able to get the pension and concession card. I mean, there are people who can get it below age pension age, such as if you're getting disability support pension or carer payment, um, but you have to meet the specific eligibility yeah. criteria to be able to get those payments. Um, also, job seeker payment, if you're over 16, you've been receiving the payment for more than nine months, they can also get the pension and concession card. But we do find that quite a lot of clients um, aren't that keen on applying for job seeker payment um, prior to age pension age. So, um, generally speaking, you know, it's people who are receiving the age pension that get the pensioner concession card. Right. The old pensioner concession card. I mean, that's one one of the things I very early in my career never ever ever stand between a pensioner and a pensioner concession card. Right. So now that they have to wait longer for it, I suppose they're going to be even more protective of it. Um, what about the the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card? Yeah, so that's also impacted um, because, you know, if they're a self-funded retiree um, and they can get the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card, that too is driven by age pension age. So you have to get to age pension age before you can qualify for that Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. So it doesn't matter. Even if you're not eligible for the pension, you still got to wait to age pension age. And if that's going up, then you have to wait longer for that. Yeah, exactly. Wow, actually, that that is actually quite a a significant impact there. what about any other concession cards? Are they? Can you still receive them? Yeah, so there is said, the, the yeah the low income health card. Is yeah, that that's right. So there is the the low income health care card, and that's um a really important one, um, which people may not realise that you can have quite a lot of um, money and and have in financial investments or superannuation or account based pensions. Um, and qualify for the low income healthcare card because even though it says low income, um, because it's it's based on the social security definition of income, um, it's mm-hmm. deemed. And yeah. so, um, we'll we'll have a look in a minute as to how much money you can actually have and still get that low income healthcare card. So. Um, 
Yeah, the low-income healthcare card, it's interesting. The threshold's actually increased quite recently in April um, this year um, because of when JobSeeker payment went up by $50 a fortnight, that actually mm. caused an increase in the amount of income you can have for the low-income healthcare card. And based on current thresholds, a single person um, can have $636 a week, which is 33072 a year, or a couple... Yep can have 1,094 a week, which is 56,888 per annum. And so um, those income tests, though, you know, they they look at that social security definition of income. And if they're working, then, of course, salary counts or if they have a defined benefit pension, then, you know, normally the annual payment um, from that also counts. But if all they've got is things such as financial investments or account-based pensions, they're actually subject to deeming. And as you know, the deeming rates are so low at the moment, it actually yep. means that, you know, they're not generating a lot of income under the, the income test um, for those low-income healthcare card tests. Um, so, so that sounds like you can have a lot of a lot of capital. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for a single person, if all they had um, was, you know, um, some money in the bank and account-based pensions that are all subject to deeming, then they could have $1.5 million in financial investments and still qualify for the low-income healthcare card. And for a couple, it's combined, it's actually $2.6 million. So it's quite a bit that they can have and still qualify for that card. So you can have $2.6 million in savings and still qualify for something called the low-income something. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Now, now, I'm not sure whether you can hear, but um, my golden retriever in the background, background, Gus, is barking now. That might or might not be coming through. But the reason why I mention it is every time we talk about Social Security on the podcast, Gus, the golden retriever, gets very agitated. So, <laughs> why is that? What it is. Maybe he's picking up on your agitation. Maybe yeah, you don't like yeah. Social Security. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, now we talk about being able to have 1.5 million or 2.6 million and still qualify for low income health. So, what you're telling me there is there's actually no assets test because normally you would think an assets test would, would come into play there. No, that's right. There, there's no asset test for the low-income healthcare card. It's just purely an income test. Um, so, you know, I mean, if they've got other forms of income, you know, this might not be true. But if all they had is financial investments, yeah, they can have quite a lot um, in financial investments and still qualify for that card. Interestingly, too, they can keep – well, they can qualify for both the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card and the low-income healthcare card at the same time. So even once they reach – age pension age, if they're a self-funded retiree and they go into the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card, if they still qualify under the, under the income test, they can keep both cards. And the reason why they might want to do that is some concession, um, you know, some places that give concessions might give some concessions to Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card holders and other concessions to low-income healthcare card holders. So, um, you know, there are quite a few people who, who like having both cards to, to maximise the concessions they can receive. That's- it's like those people are holding two passports <laughs> and, they, and they show up to immigration or whatever. Now, which is the easiest one to get through and they pull out the relevant passport? So which one gives me more, low-income healthcare or Commonwealth Senior Center and they pull out the relevant card? Okay, so now we've talked about age pension age increasing. I also mentioned in the intro about preservation age for super. So that's gradually increasing. We know that. That's been increasing from 55 to 60 for quite some time. Now, what's going on there this year? 
Yeah, that's right. So similar to the age pension, um, age pension age, preservation age is also gradually increasing. Um, and it started to increase back in 2015 and it goes up by one year every two years. Um, and again, because of the, the way that the tests work, it actually means that no one's going to reach an age in the current 2021-22 financial year. Because um, those who had a preservation age of 58 have already reached it. And those mm -hmm. who have a preservation age of 59 aren't going to reach it until 22-23. Ah, okay. So, so unlike age pension age, which is you no know, one reaches it in the first six months of this financial year, mm. what you're saying is no one reaches their preservation at all this financial year. That's so it's right. not in the first six months; it's for the full first two, for the full twelve months. Okay, so that's interesting. What does that increase in the preservation age impact? Obviously, conditions of release. Mm. Can you run through those? Yeah, that's right. So preservation age actually affects lots of little superannuation rules. But I guess the main ones are the retirement condition of release. So, um, you know, to be able to meet the retirement condition of release, you have to be at least preservation age um, or even mm -hmm. starting a transition to retirement pension. You, you have to be preservation oh, yeah. age. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can't, someone can't actually, if they're not already eligible to start a TTR, transition to retirement pension already, they're not going to actually become eligible to start a TTR this year. That's right. Yep. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, what else does it impact? Um, it also affects a lot of other super rules, such as the taxation of super lump sums. Um, you know, so whether they have access to that low rate cap, um, you know, they have to be preservation age to access mm -hmm. that. And also the taxation of income stream benefits. So like payments from an account-based pension, if they're under age 60 and um, over preservation age, uh, you know, they get that 15% tax offset. So, right. So, hmm. Mm, that's interesting because someone could have some unrestricted non-preserved money there from somewhere um, but not, you know, maybe they were made redundant many, many years ago and so that's sitting there and they they go and pull that out this year and they're not going to get the low rate cap, are they, because they're going to be below their preservation age so therefore the full amount of their taxable component is going to be subject to tax. Yeah, if if they are under their preservation age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so it's always important, isn't it, to look up their date of birth in that little table and just make sure that they're yeah. – and they might want to yeah. wait until their preservation age too if that's the so case. It's, it's not just your access. If you've already got access for some reason because you've got unrestricted, non-preserved, it can impact your taxation. What about other rules like um, severe financial hardship condition release? That's that's linked through to preservation ages as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So there was – um, different rules in there for severe financial hardship in terms of, um, you know, how much you can access and, and that sort of thing under the severe financial hardship condition of release. I think there's, you can only access um, up to $10,000, isn't it, um, if you're under preservation age, but over preservation Currently, age, yeah. that's, there's there's not that limit. So, um, yeah, so the, it, it does affect quite a few different superannuation rules. Okay. So generally speaking, increase in preservation age will delay access to super and as well as access to some tax concessions. Mm, yeah, exactly. Now, with preservation age, also interesting. So we've had it go from 55 to 60. Now, we've seen age pension age increase from 65 to 67. We've also seen some of the, you know, the non-concessional uh, cap 
you know, eligibility for the bring forward rule, that's gone up to age 67. Um, the work test doesn't apply to age 67. Do you, have we heard anything about actually increasing preservation age any further to, to keep it five years? So when you think about age pension age used to be 65 and we had um, preservation age going to 60, is mm. there been any suggestion there at all that they might increase preservation age even further from 60 to 62? I haven't heard anything. Um, I'm not sure if yeah. you have, but we've there's no. certainly been speculation, but I haven't heard anything from the government that that's what they're intending uh, I, to do. I think I recall. Actually, yes. Uh, it was also another Q&A, so I've had ABC watch it clearly. Um, and I think actually Joe Hockey made a comment about preservation age. Now, this is a long time ago um, about potentially somehow aligning that with the increase in the age pension age. So there was some suggestion that it would go up by two years to be five years under. Mm. But I think pretty quickly he came out the very next day and said, no, 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 that's not (laughs) happening at all. He obviously got a, a very rude phone call from someone and higher up in the in the, in the government to say, no, that there is no intention to change that. And we certainly haven't seen anyone come out and suggest that. So let's just hope that preservation age stays at 60 and they don't uh, they don't increase that to 62 or five years less than the age pension age. Well, Kim, thank you. I think that covers any, everything. Uh, there was just one last point, which was I thought I'd mm. leave, leave on a positive note, and that is that yep. the increase in age pension age is actually – good from an employment termination point of view because um, if you receive an employment termination age, oh, sorry, employment termination payment before age pension age, um, you you know, if it's a redundancy or an early retirement scheme, you're eligible for those tax-free amounts and also the leave oh, yeah. payments are concessionally taxed. Oh. So the fact that age pension age is increasing might mean that, you know, more people will actually qualify for those, um, those concessions if they're made redundant or early retirement scheme. All right, terrific. Another little silver lining. Terrific. All right, I think that does it, Kim. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Craig. See you later. All right. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.